0: This is the ZMAR Podcast, Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR.
1: Welcome back to the ZMAR Podcast. I have um, a guest with me that I think we're going to bring some light to some marketing for a small and mid-sized company. I have uh, Chris Vanier. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey Butch, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Why don't you give our audience a little bit of introduction about who you are and where you come from and what you do. Absolutely,
2: well, my pleasure. Um, So really quickly, so my name is Chris Spanier. I am a marketing consultant. I've been around, oh gosh, been consulting for about 15 years, Um, but primarily I came from a marketing and a marketing technology background. So I'm I'm old enough that I got started with the internet before the internet bubble really got going. So I've, I've had the pleasure and the challenge but mostly the fun of seeing kind of marketing evolve from more traditional marketing into more digital marketing and how both of those can really work together. And now, you know, I, am serving companies throughout our region that, and which if I were to describe them kind of, they're all different industries, but if I were to describe their commonality between them, it's, they've all reached a point where they're, they're looking at their operations. They probably don't have somebody in house doing marketing for them. But they recognize the value and they realize they probably need to, to formalize this and do a little bit more. So it's a traditional CMO kind of role, but but I kind of prefer to use a baseball term. I call us the marketing utility players because we really will come in and we'll help them with everything from, hey, I need to do some basic marketing materials to market research to websites to anything in between. So it, it really feeds my soul because one, it's helping them get smarter, get better, help them to refine their story. But mm-hmm. it's also fascinating because everybody's a little bit different. So it's, it's, it makes every day different and it makes every day challenging and it just makes for a lot of fun and and hopefully good results for our clients.
1: Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And yeah, and you hit a few points that we're going to talk about today um, besides all the fun that you've had over the years. Right. And so um, like a lot of things you had mentioned seem um, more traditional and, and you even outlined in some of the stuff that you had written where there's, you know, traditional and then digital. So, is there a still a good spot for traditional marketing today? And then uh, uh, have you noticed, is there a been, been a big change um, with businesses adapting to digital uh, versus the old traditional realm?
2: That was great questions. Yeah. I
1: absolutely believe
2: there's a role for both. Um, mm-hmm. In some ways, I, I feel it's almost, we've done ourselves a disservice by calling you know traditional and, and digital because it makes it sound like it's an either or. And I really do think they're Um, I'll give you an example. One of my clients right now, is a pretty good-sized metal um, complex metal fabrication firm, and you know they haven't done a lot of marketing, but they've reached a stage in their development um, or their growth that they're servicing clients all over the world. But for them being based here in the Midwest, you know the question is how do we get our name out there? How do we want to do this? So I, I really have to hand it to their leadership team because when I, I engaged with them about a year ago. We sat down and they said, okay, here's everything we want to do. And it was this huge laundry list, but they had already gone through and been very thoughtful of here's the priority that we think now it was a conversation. So we were able to shape that a little bit better, but what we started on was what I would consider more traditional marketing. So defining the market going through and, and really kind of honing story and brand statements. And what is it that the value you bring, but then it is absolutely, you know, where does that message live everywhere? So as we're right now, we're working on revamping their entire website. It hasn't been touched. You know, It's one of those situations in four or five, six years. So you know, we're starting there. It's going to evolve into a digital marketing campaign that we're going to be able to take to LinkedIn, to Google, to do kind of more awareness for them. But at the same time, you know, we're looking at the PowerPoint decks. And so as their sales team goes out and talks to clients, if a client does their homework, which most of them will. I want everything that's on the website or everything they see on their LinkedIn presence to really coordinate and to facilitate. So I absolutely believe that there's you know, a, a place for traditional as well a place for the digital marketing because they have to work together. Um, in this day and age, you got to count on both. Um, so I, I absolutely think you're going to be everywhere and, and you want to just make sure that your message works and, and can speak to the brevity of, of digital. So let's let's get in, and let's hit them, let's make our points. But that works incredibly well with traditional marketing as well. So if somebody opens an ad, they see a flyer, they look at a a marketing deck, you know, it's all hitting the same points.
1: So has things changed from verticals, uh, right? So different industry verticals um, uh, could be very specific. And I'm assuming there's some industries that are still old school and -hmm. therefore um, may have to stick with traditional for a while. And sometimes they're old school and the industry doesn't want to move our industry's identical to that where insurance industry is sold school and the people in the industry don't want it to move. But you operate in, 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 and I I understand you could probably do marketing for a lot of companies, but you have certain niches that you like to work with, uh, I'm assuming. And and so within those niches, how is the transition to digital um, and marketing, not only just overall is Time goes on, um, but also since the the world of COVID, right? How have you seen the adaptability, and then and then even the changes in those markets have changed um, in the digital marketing space um, since COVID, right? Pre COVID to now, I'm sure it's drastically changed. Um, in mm-hmm. the you know you know the term digital marketing may not be called digital anymore; it might be called something else as we move forward. But what have you seen mm-hmm. in the niches that you work with, and uh, the transition?
2: I, I, there's a part of it that still says I think we're in transition. Um, that that transition continues. I, I do believe the pandemic accelerated certain things. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a lot more receptiveness to things like you know meeting virtually. Um, you know the sales teams that I support, they are still very focused on relationship, but they've gotten a lot more comfortable with doing this over a screen. Saying okay, well eventually we're going to meet in three dimensions, but today it's going to be digital. Um, but what it does is it also I think introduces a chance for maybe excuse the term but maybe intimacy of you know you 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 invite somebody into your home and gosh you know the dog's barking in the background or maybe the kid passes behind you and the, the screen suddenly you know we're, we're real people we're not necessarily this this incredibly polished this view only here's the corporate view but it's now oh my gosh I'm dealing with a real person which I think lends itself incredibly well to sales in most situations to your point about the different verticals, like, like you, you know, I, I've got a fair amount of time spent in, in the financial services industry. And before I joined that industry, I'd been with an internet startup. So really talk about whiplash where you go from everything's cutting edge and what can we do to get out there faster, quicker, you know, as brief as possible, to go to something that is incredibly highly regulated and which you know, has to go through multiple iterations and, and verifications, and is this appropriate? You know, there's value to both. And, and, and there's frustrations, frankly, with both. What I, what I found, though, consistently, is that I think the consumer, whether it's a B2B or it's a B2C, you know, th- there was a phrase, if you remember back in the old days, it used to be caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you always will go in and you'd be suspicious. Like, what is the salesperson trying to sell me? Or what are they, what is, what is their angle, right? Mm-hmm. I went to a talk, interestingly enough, in a financial services industry conference, probably six, eight years ago. And even then they're like, it is completely flipped. It's 180 degrees, now it is seller beware because buyers are so much more able to find out information online, to look at things like Reddit or to look at Twitter or anywhere that they can go and find out information about this company to say, who is it that I'm working with? So a lot of the message that I take to my clients, again, it goes back to this consistency, right? I mean be your genuine self Everybody has this really interesting story. I've yet to work with a company where I'm like, man, I just don't like you. I don't think you have a good story. I don't think whatever. People, I think, really do want to do, they want to be proud of the work they do, the services they offer. So I think the challenge, whatever the, the, the mechanism is, the vehicle that we're communicating, a lot of it really comes down to being true to that story, being consistent, making it as, as concise as possible. So that wherever a consumer encounters it, whether it's you talking to them and pushing something out or whether they're going out and seeking your information, that you want to be out there and you want to be found. So even with some of the more conservative industries, I'm finding an, incredi- an increasing willingness and awareness that, look, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't use it. But as a business person, I appreciate that it's there. So help guide me to do what it is that that we need to be doing. And that seems to be a lot more receptive, especially post COVID, um, post pandemic. Sure.
1: Sure. And so a lot of times I I think that uh, sometimes it's just baby steps, right? Taking the first Mm -hmm. step, moving in. But then there's also... You jump in fee first. Or in your case, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna quote you and says that you have a healthy fear of heights, but you jumped on an airplane yeah. to overcome it. So I'm using that as an analogy that sometimes you just mm-hmm. gotta jump in, but I want you to share your story a little bit about how you jumped on the airplane just to get over your heights too. So and it, it maybe mm-hmm. that that analogy could actually work with your client base, right? Like just jump on the airplane and let's get it over
2: that's that's uh, <laughs> thanks for that curveball which but yeah. that's is a great example yeah. um so really quick to set it up yeah. um i have always had a very healthy tier fights mm-hmm. um it's interesting i'm in an airplane i'm fine but put me on a 20 foot 30 foot ladder and it's like okay this round it looks very real and i see the impact and so from a business setting i think that's very true like when you mm-hmm. talk about something in concept you go to a client and say hey what, what do you feel about digital that's oh, interesting But when you start to talk about, well, budget impact, and what are we going to do to allocate to this? And what are the metrics we want to measure against? Mm -hmm. Then suddenly, you know, you're on that 30 foot ladder, you're looking there and you're like, this suddenly got a lot real, very real to me. Um, But what it does is I think in my case, so here I'm 25, 20, 26 years old. um, I will admit there was um, some buddies that were involved and we were all like, we should jump out of an airplane. And so there was a group of about six of us. And we were all like, yeah, we're going to do this one guy actually took it upon himself to find a place that would would allow you or would let anybody come in do a tandem jump you just essentially come in sign the waiver that you're not going to sue anybody pay the money and up in the airplane you go in fact the training (laughs) training air quotes uh, was a couple minutes with the person that was going to be your jump instructor and then they sat Mm -hmm. us down and they showed us a video clip from good morning america where one of their reporters had jumped out of an airplane i'm like i am so not prepared for this but but Again, you lean into it and you're like, but I want to do this. And I think that's part of the conversation with the clients is to say, okay, where are they at? So are they just saying, yeah, I know it because my kids are telling me I need to be on social media or I read and I realize I need to be on this, but I'm not convinced. In which case, then that's a different conversation that you're having to get them ready to lean out or to jump Mm -hmm. out versus Mm -hmm. others who are like, look, I've talked to colleagues and go back to the metal manufacturing company. Mm -hmm. The president of the company, I think kind of fits that mold. He is not, he, he, he absolutely adapts and, and, and lean into technology that affects his business but in terms of like social media and how do i want to do this it's because peer companies and colleagues of his have seen it worth That he's like all right i'm willing to trust mm-hmm. so the end, end of yeah. my story just really yeah. quick it's actually bittersweet um so i did jump i survived yeah. um ironically i at the last minute i decided i was going to splurge and pay the extra 40 or 50 bucks and one of the other jumpers would put a camera on his helmet and videotape you. So I'm like, I'm never doing this again. So we're going to do that. So I did landed, I got the video, they put it to Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone. So it's the <laughs> cheesiest video you're ever going to see. But it just so happened that my parents were alive at that time. And the place I jumped from was about a half hour, 45 minutes from their house It was on a Saturday morning. So I, I, I stopped over to see them decide to spend the weekend down visiting them. And um, my mom whom I had been a coward and had not told I was doing this I I confessed to my dad but 26 year old Chris would not tell his mom that he was jumping out of an airplane so when she found out she was livid it was just like I brought you into this world I will take you out so I'm like no no that's okay well anyway so the bittersweet part of the story is she didn't see the video until I was heading back um I lived out of town so I was heading back Sunday in the evening I was like you want to see this and she's like yeah sure so I put it on at the end of it she looks at me like with this she's got this look on her face like i will kill you again if you ever do this again but she had this huge smile on her face because <clears throat> she knew that i had faced a personal fear well as, as things turned out my mom actually had an uh, aneurysm a week later mm-hmm. and two weeks after that she passed away oh, yeah. so my final memory of my mom as sad as that was was her seeing me conquer that fear mm-hmm. so you know again we all live life we should live life to its fullest you never know what kind of curveball you're going to be thrown but I look at that and say, oh, my gosh, what a blessing that event was, that, that choice to lean into this happened to be. Not only did it allow me to challenge something for myself, mm. but it gave me an incredibly precious memory of a final memory with my mom and something that I've carried with me now, you know, two and a half decades later. So it really is whenever I have a chance to share that story with a client or with a friend, I am always saying, don't be stupid. I mean, maybe I was stupid, yeah. but don't be afraid. You know, try this. let's 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 give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Let's get smarter. And um ninety five percent of the time people lean into that. I'm like, you know what? okay. So it's really pretty cool,
1: yeah, yeah. no, it's definitely a great analogy and and businesses do need to to lean into it. Um, and then there's the opposite, right? There's that. Uh, somebody uh wrote a book. He uh he quoted that uh, the entrepreneurs uh there's certain ones that they it's almost like they they skydive but they're building the plane on the way down. So there's a little yeah. bit more of the opposite too. But uh, um, but obviously you you've got years of experience doing all this and 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 somehow you found the time and and the energy. They actually tried to put it inside of a book. And so you have something in the works um, that's coming out in the yeah. next few months. Can you give us some insight on what's to come and what 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 can we expect out of this book? Well, thank you. The book is going to be called Sales Fusion. It's actually coming out in about two or three weeks in early October. It'll be available on
2: Amazon. That's my plug. Um, but what I really love about it is it's a co-author book, meaning that my responsibility was really a chapter. Um, well, what's neat about the concept, though, and, and I think you, you're maybe doing something similar in a couple of months as well, mm-hmm. but it allows a group of individuals, professionals, that most of these folks I know, I've met, I've worked with, I think incredibly highly of. And the publisher approached us and said, would you contribute a chapter? Now, the interesting thing is my the book I'm in is called Sales Fusion, not Marketing Fusion, not Leadership Fusion. Those books were earlier that I, I just, I missed the opportunity but the, the the publishers came and said, you know, one of the, the concepts that we run into is that there tends to be sometimes friction between salespeople and marketing people. We would love to include a chapter or two about marketing in this. And so I thought about that. Um, and they approached me. I took the weekend to think about it. And I came back and said, you know what? Yeah, I really love that. Um, I love the idea of offering maybe a practical guide of how we work together. Because frankly, you know, when you're a consultant, you go into a situation, you recognize you're there for a finite period of time. So you want to leave, you know, your your clients better off than when you got there. So, you know, have I made them smarter? Have I made them more sales? Have I made them more effective? Have Have I poured into them? And I looked at this chapter and said, you know, this is an opportunity that I believe the best in most people. And there's very few people that have disappointed me in life. You know, we always can be better. We can always challenge each other. We 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 do make mistakes. I get all of that. But at the end of the day, I really think we we see ourselves as highly competent, intelligent people that ultimately want to do good for ourselves, for our families, for our clients, for our companies. So that's how I approach the chapter is, you know, how how do I help marketing and sales both? to maybe see things a little bit from the other person's perspective or the other side's perspective, so that maybe we cut through some of the, the, the noise or the clutter that we sometimes run into and can be more effective as a result of it. So that's really my goal. So the chapter is broken into, I wrote it as six lessons that I learned as a kid, you know, how to play nicely, share your toys, use your words, say, thank you. And not to be demeaning or to talk down, but to simply say, gosh, those lessons we learned in kindergarten, first grade and second grade, really still apply now as adults Hmm. and it's good to revisit those and to realize gosh use your words be as 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 detailed as you can about what you're trying to accomplish and help the people trying to help you marketing included to understand what it is and then to feed information back to them about how it's working so you can get smarter again together so that's the goal that's the hope
0: (laughs) If you own a business, Elite Benefits of America wants to remind you that health insurance open enrollments are either happening now or coming very quickly. And this is the time to review and implement a health care plan to make or keep you as the employer of choice. Deadlines for open enrollment range between November 1st and January 1st. Get ahead of the curve. The Small Business Special Enrollment Period, part of the Affordable Care Act, now allows employers with 49 employees and under to offer health benefits without contributing a dime to the employee plan. Help your employees save money on taxes with health insurance they're already paying for with their hard-earned dollars. Butch Zimar from Elite Benefits of America wants you to reach out to him today. Visit EliteBenefits.net or call 708-535-3006.
1: One personal thing I picked up uh, during some of our conversations and the information I picked up is uh, you you hold this uh, certificate from Scotland and and yeah and it says so I, I guess you're a Scottish lord and so uh, what, oh, yeah. what what is that and I guess what what's the certificate about?
2: So um let me, promote, let me put it from a from marketing perspective. So this this is a good illustration of we all have a story, right? And and you might not think about this as like us is really relevant. But let me tell you the story, and then we'll tie this back. Several years ago, um, you know, we don't make we we always celebrate birthdays, but we don't make a big deal, especially for my wife or I. You know, it's about the kids or it's about the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this birthday, my wife she comes into to, to, to the kitchen table and having breakfast, and um, she's like happy birthday. And she slides this package over to me. Mm. and I'm like, thank you. Mm. So, and she could tell on her face, something was this, she was delighted about whatever this was. So I open it up and it's a folder and I open it up inside as the certificate saying, congratulations, Chris Spanier, you are now a Scottish Lord. And I look at her and she's nodding and she's like, yes, you are. The story behind it is there was a, um, some, some family land in Scotland. The family, I don't know if they were on hard times or they just weren't really interested in keeping it up, but they wanted to sell the property. And so in, in, in just here in the, as in the United States, there was a developer who came along and, and, and envisioned this strip mall on the, mm-hmm. these old Scottish Highlands. And another group came along and said, no, we want to buy the land instead. We want to preserve this. We want to preserve the history. So what they did is they they talked the owners into selling the land to them. Then, to kind of fund it, what they do is they're selling plots of the land. So I own own a 10 by 10, 100 square feet of Scottish land on this, this land, which entitles me to be called Lord Christopher Spanier. In fact, they incl- I haven't done this, but they've included a little certificate that you could take to, to the BMV and say, I'd like to change my license to be Lord Christopher Spanier. I, I, I have yet to do that. I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> but, you know, it's, just, it's a fun little, like, you know, party talk. Like, hey, I'm a lord. Mm-hmm. I did go back later and I, I bought my wife a plot of land. So she's a lady. So we are Lord and lady, even though neither of us are Scottish. But what we've done is paid a little bit of money to help preserve some historic lands in Scotland. So I love the conservation aspect of it. Um, in fact, we are invited. You can't build on the land. Um, there are lots of, of rules and regulations around it, but I am allowed to go camp. So it gives me a great excuse to go and, and pitch a tent mm-hmm. over in Scotland someday and, You know, it's going to be the Scottish Highlands, which could be a little cold and 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 foggy, but it would still be really cool to say, "I've slept on my land, right?" Um, Make the tent, call it Castle Spaniard, and be done with it. But (laughs) the cool thing about this is, you you think about this, and and I've I've encountered so many clients Mm -hmm. who are like, you know, we're not that interesting. We we do, you know, fill in the blank. You know, we're, we're. there's a branding agency. They're actually very interesting. But the metal fabrication company, they're like, mm-hmm. you know, or metal fabrication, I'm like, no, you've got a really cool. Your stuff is in orbit. You know, parts yeah. that you've created. People out there are crafting, are are saving lives as medical devices. You are doing wind turbines, helping us, you know, turn to green energy. You're out in outer space. This is an awesome story. Mm-hmm. You have another client, they do gourmet soft pretzels. They ship all over the country. Everybody has this really cool story, and I think we have a tendency which is good to be humble and to say, you know, gosh, I'm not that interesting. I have yet to meet a person that I have not found fascinating. There are aspects of our lives that we think are normal or that I think are routine that just give us an opportunity to connect with others. Um, You know, hopefully people might hear the podcast, butch and Mm -hmm. say, Hey, I want to do something else. I want to go and maybe save some Scottish Highlands, and then I could be a lord or a lady as well. That's awesome, and it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with Chris. You know, when yeah. I pass on, my title does not go to my son, but I've done some small little part thanks to my wife mm-hmm. to help you know keep some natural historical beauty going for another generation in Scotland. That's a pretty cool thing to, to have said. It it isn't going to change how I act today. I'm certainly not going to go and change my my driver's license, but it it makes me a little more of a human being, and I think. When you get right down to it, marketing and sales and all this really are about connecting with people and helping them to see who you are, who your company is, the products and services you are, and how you can potentially help them. So,
1: For sure. And and it sounds like uh, you do a great job with your clients and the niches that you serve. And uh, I look forward to uh, reading a copy of Sales Fusion. Uh, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you to further the conversation we've already had or, or even just to reach out to you for any reason, uh, how do they get in touch with you?
2: easiest way to do it Um, my company is carpe diem consulting group a little bit long but you can email me at chris at carpe c-a-r-p-e diem d-i-e-m and then c for consulting g for group.com carpe diem cg.com i'm a big fan of the robin williams film so when i was naming the company i looked back and said that's how i want to work my business every day you know go out there do my best for everybody and carpe diem yeah Hey, Mitch, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation.